Hello and welcome. I'm Jill Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. In the final episode of our special series from the Somerset Celebration of Literature, Ian and I are joined by Kate O'Donnell and Rachel Spratt. Kate is a writer, editor, and bookseller specializing in children's and young adult literature. She has a BA in history and French from the University of Melbourne and studied professional writing and editing at RMIT. Untidy Towns is her first novel. We chat about speaking about your writing journey as a first-time author. We also talk about Kate's editing experiences and try and break down the process. I'll be back later on to introduce Rachel to you. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We are coming to you from the Somerset Celebration of Literature, and I am joined, as always, at this festival by my co-host, Ian. How's it going? It's going well, uh, Joel. We managed to locate a fan uh, of the podcast. Which, no, literally, it's just a giant fan that's blowing the... Oh. It is a giant fan yeah. that hopefully won't co- come through in the recording. Yep. But it's fine because we'd be dead. Yeah, that's true. How are you going, Kate? I'm good. Thank you so much <laughs> Thank for you for joining me. us on this podcast. Thank you. Lovely. So how has your... Um, Activities being at Somerset. It's been amazing. It's the first time I've come along to any festivals like this as a participant. Sure. Mm. Um, I've chaired sessions at various writers' festivals before, but this is thoroughly new and quite muggy, mm. uh, if I do say so myself, coming from <laughs> Melbourne. Yes. But uh, it's been amazing. The students have been so enthusiastic, and it's such an amazing festival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, muggy is a very a muggy. very Melbourne kind of yes. thing. You know, like it's muggy. It's a it it absolutely describes this though. It is rather like being in a mug. <laughs> in a mug. In the mug. <laughs> Condensation. I feel like that. Um, Kate, you joined us last night as well at the dinner where we did some storytelling, which was a lot of fun. That yeah, it was so great with a group of students, and we all got our topics and interpreted them as best we could <laughs> and as dramatically as we could. It was amazing. It was right. catch and beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, and you've been talking about your your book and kind of uh, getting getting in touch with the students. Have you have you found the audiences in terms of engagement? Um, the morning sessions have been absolutely fantastic. Mm. Kids are really enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. Then by the afternoon, the, 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 the feeling in the marquees has been a little bit low. I've tried not to interpret their silences and slumpers as disinterest, yeah. but more they're focusing on listening because yep. their bodies can't actually do anything else. I did make a joke and I say, do you have any questions or you know, any more yeah. questions? And silence. And yeah, I was just yeah. like, oh, no, you've all died. <laughs> <laughs> you've all died They inside. couldn't even summon a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Just more like, silence. Yeah. Um, no. It's so true. Um, but it's really exciting for me being the first time I get to talk about my book. It only came out in October last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's kind of scary. And I almost had forgotten the point of my book. And it's been right. a really an amazing experience to yeah, kind of yeah. sit down and think about what I was going to talk about and how I was going to approach it. Mm. Um, and I sort of feel like I wonder if the authors who've got more than one book out and sort of a little bit further along in their careers, Mm. whether it's easier to find something to talk about. And I ended up in my presentations talking half about my book and half about my my career and Mm. I guess the way I've tried to mould my life around books and my my career around books. It's curious looking at the way authors communicate their journey to uh, especially a younger audience. Um, I find that, you know, narrative being an artificial construct, right? We have a beginning, we have an ending. But for kids... 
the beginning is not always what we think it is, right? And we got to translate that somehow to them, yeah. right? What actually was that beginning for us? What, mm. what was the process? What were we actually doing? And why did we decide that? And I found that quite challenging, you know, that first couple of sessions that we did. Also, the, heat, mm. the you know, the kids in the heat stroke. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, <laughs> the, the, the afternoon <laughs> session we had, this kid was so red and he was just <laughs> just slumped on the uh, chair. And I was like, is this going to be an issue? <laughs> do, we, do we need to call a medic? <laughs> do we have medics on hand? It, that is our fault for not asking them to turn the fans on. That, oh, oh yeah. Wait a little bit on No, that. my session just now, the fans powered down oh. halfway through. Generator issue. Oh. Um, Wow. It was fine. That yeah, was absolutely yeah. fine. Lost power to the microphones oh, as well. Wow. Hey. The IT people were amazing. Scrambling, they scrambled yeah. and they got yeah. us all back up. Love yeah, it. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but yeah, good. talk to me about those mm. journeys, you know, um, being able to communicate to the, uh, that to a younger audience. What's that been like for you? It's been really interesting. I've spent yeah. a lot of my time working in the bookshops talking to much younger kids, sure. primary yeah, school yeah. age students, and yeah. they just want to hear anything you have to say. Um, and so it's been really great to hear more of the questions that have come at the end mm. of my sessions yes. from, from the students. And they are, they all ask, how did you start? How mm. long did it take? Yep. Um, and I think perhaps I didn't consider it enough. And so it's been a really good experience yeah, this week to sort sure. of think, okay, they do want to know about beginnings. I, we talk about narrative, narrative and the beginning, the middle and the mm. end. I sometimes forget to write like this. Yeah. My narratives <laughs> end up as a moment in captured. I'm trying to capture a moment in time. Yeah. Um, and so I must remember the beginnings a little bit more often, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Origin stories are really compelling, don't you think, Ian? Like that yeah. idea of getting into a story mm. is also a bit like getting into a life, right? you got to figure out oh. where that person started. Deep. Yeah, well, well that's, <laughs> that's exactly how my sessions have ended up. I've talked about my origin story yeah. Yeah. Uh, alongside the origin story of my book and my character. Yeah. I think it's, it's never... The thing about beginnings as well is that in... In the, the writing industry, there's just so varied um, how people kind of get started. Um, Kate, you had a, a background working with writers and kind of, you know, in, in the publishing industry. Do you feel like you... Did you have any idea of how things were going to pan out when you, when you kind of started studying? <laughs> oh, I, I went in, into it with a certain arrogance, I think. Uh. Um, uh, I... I, I the fact that I knew how things would go on a technical level, yep. what would happen if if I submitted and if it were accepted, mm, yep. I knew what the steps would be. Sure. Being prepared sort of in my brain did not prepare me for emotionally how yeah. it would yeah. all work out. Mm. So working as an editor um, in, my, in my professional career as opposed to my <laughs> unprofessional writing, <laughs> yeah. it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. uh, in my career as an editor... It's, it's easy. You are that step removed. And it's been yeah. so... But it's, it's been equally as fulfilling to get a manuscript and to work on it with that author, take them through sure. the steps yep. from um, commission to, to publication. Yeah. Uh, that process is super interesting to me, right? Um, because I think editing in general isn't covered as much as I think I'd love to hear about. Um, I'd love to talk to you about that journey in editing, uh, especially children's and YA, yeah. um, in that space. Do you think there's any difference there in crafting narrative compared to like looking at an older audience, you know, what the expectation of either the publishing industry or the audience itself? Like what's that journey for you? So I guess take us through step by step. Yeah. Um, well, I think that it, it is the same experience sure. from, for it, yep. it ultimately the same yeah. experience from picture books all the way up through mm. to adult fiction. Yeah. But the expectations are very different. Yep. Mm. Um, and you, so we, you say that you don't hear about the editorial process a lot. I think it's because if an editor has done his or her job 
well, yep. yeah, it's yeah, invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I was saying this to the kids before, it is very satisfying when you finish a project and you it's mm. the author's voice entirely. Yep. You can't yeah. see your own work. Yep. Yep. You can. You, you've seen yeah. where, where you've done <laughs> it, but no one else will. Yep. Mm. Um, and so when talking about the, the process of working with an author, sure. is that mm. something that you think... Um, and so an author will send their book. I don't know if we want to talk about literally the nuts and bolts of it, but um, whatever you take wish. it away. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. <laughs> uh, I found working in picture books now. Mm. Mm. The process is almost more exciting. Oh yeah. Um, because especially where I work at Scribble, we mm. uh, work with the authors right from the their very first idea, and Inception. so yeah. so you end up talking so deeply. We have the most incredible conversations, and I almost mm. feel um, that's probably what's happening in adult fiction as well. I've never worked in yeah. adult fiction, but we talk yeah. about why the author has decided that this is an interesting idea. We have philosophical conversations that last for days yep. <laughs> uh, about what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think that that isn't talked about as much um, in public. Um, mm. I went to a Wheeler Centre session with Lee Hobbs and Julia Eccleshare. She's mm. a um, book reviewer um, and specialist in the UK. Mm. Uh, it was one of the first times I'd heard adults speaking to adults about yep. the craft of children's literature and the editorial process. Right, wow. Um, it was it was absolutely incredible session. Sally Rippon chaired that one. Mm. Um, I've sort of now gone off on a tangent. No, absolutely. That's Just right. that idea of that inception is super interesting to hear about. Yeah. So if I can ask then about, because uh, you know, you've moved from, from editorial there and then you've had this book published. Um, I won't ask whether it was a smooth transition. I know that there, you know, there would have been a lot of challenges uh, in, in doing that. Did you feel that your writing was going to land in the audience that it landed in? Or did you, what were your expectations around that, I suppose, coming in? Or did you feel like it might be different? I didn't know what to expect. Sure. I yeah. think I was lucky in the way that I'd been working as an editor and, you know, looking at people's plot and looking mm. at how their book will land in the market. And as an editor, yeah. you are constantly thinking about that. And yeah. I was pottering away on my novel, writing it for absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's been really interesting. I think it's landing for a few people. Um, mm. We'll see how that goes. But definitely mm. didn't think about it as much as I do yeah. in my writing. I, I'm still writing for myself. Um, mm. Yeah, that's cool. And it's co so coming through as well. Um, you've been you've been around the industry for a while since, and uh, you you studied, yeah. And uh, I studied two years part time of professional writing and right. editing, and dropped out. Oh, yep. right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not controversially, I no. was lucky enough to get my first job in publishing, and the yeah, hours yeah, yeah. just didn't work. Um, yeah. it was such an amazing course. So studying that writing, um, mm. and so that was professional writing and editing was where I got my start. I guess I'd always been writing. I'd yep. submitted unsuccessfully a couple mm. of really really poor manuscripts in oh. my early <laughs> 20s oh. that's all right yeah yeah totally <laughs> i am kind of impressed at my hubris at sending yeah. them off <laughs> you have and to have a i think writers need to have that yeah, you need absolutely. to be able to put yourself out there yeah. um but it was it was the professional writing and editing course that took me from just book selling mm. to figuring out that actually in a career in, in editorial is something i could do yep. and in fact then my writing for ya class started my book and also was the time that I met um, a publisher who gave me my first job as an editor. Yeah, yeah wow. See, that's good. Um, I have to ask, uh, coming in then, so you talk about the, um, the we talk about like hubris, interesting. <laughs> so no, let's talk about that. Let's no, talk about pride, <laughs> Let's talk about we? pride. No, but uh, I, I really do, do wonder, I, th I feel like um, I often hear uh, from various people that say, oh, gee, promoting yourself 
can actually be a bit of a challenge. Have you found that promoting your work uh, is sometimes a, a struggle, or do you find that that's uh, come? I don't want to say come naturally. Mm. That sounds awful, you know. But how how have you found working through that? Because in Australia and New Zealand, my experience has been we really don't like putting ourselves out there culturally. It's not something yep. we do. You know, if I sometimes you'll talk to people from other cultures and they're happy to talk about themselves and this is what I've achieved. This yep. is me. This is my family. What mm. they've achieved. Yeah. Have you found that a challenge? It definitely. It's a real challenge, and as you say, it's a cultural thing. It's mm. not natural for Australian and New Zealand people yeah. to, to put themselves out there. And I think it's a real pity because yeah. whenever I talk to someone, I'm incredibly self-deprecating. It's something yes. that I'm yeah. working on. Right. Um, because I have, like, I'm so proud of my book and I'm proud of the, yeah. the work that I've done um, yeah. on it. But I find myself making jokes about it. And, and yeah. I think whenever I talk to another author and they talk themselves down, I just want to shake them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, you're making me not want to read your book. This yeah. is the worst thing you could do. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But it's so natural, and I think that the, so in that it was it was a challenge to get out there and publicise my book. But mm. my other career as a bookseller, yes, I feel like that has almost been easier as I know mm. that there's a million books in each bookshop and not everything can sell. So going into a bookshop and offering to sign books or yep. just to meet the the booksellers has been easy. Mm. Yeah, and, and I go in without hubris. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's just thing. charging through the yeah. door. I have arrived. Uh, uh, make like, way, people. Hi. So I wrote one of the 17 new release books <laughs> yeah. from this month. Yep. That's right. Ignoring make the way. other 16. <laughs> there it is. This one's important. Yeah. No, but speaking about that, Kate, like looking at the audience here at Somerset and also your work as a bookseller, mm. you get to interact with the readership uh, quite often. And here at Somerset, have you found that um, you've taken away a lot of a lot of that sort of um, interaction, does that influence your writing, right, in that respect? Yeah, definitely. I mm. think that's the pleasure of mm. coming to sessions like this. I think adult writers probably find it harder. Yes. Their yeah. audiences are much less Cagey. likely yeah. to talk yeah. to them and kids are so happy to sort of, you can see it on their face. They're either yeah. enjoying what you're saying yeah, yeah. or they're not and you, you can tell. <laughs> you can tell. Um, and... Mm. They're happy to put their hand up and ask questions and offer advice mm. yep. um, and mm. tell you exactly what they like and don't like. I know other authors have put up, you know, different covers that their book may have had and said, ask mm. the, oh, yeah. the kids, which one would you have yeah. chosen? Yeah. Um, and I plan on using the kids in any sessions that I do in the future as kind of a litmus test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so it's definitely amazing to be able to talk to the readership directly and, and have them, especially at this festival, I think they are so, so knowledgeable yeah. um, about books and about sort of, I guess they're used to speaking to authors. They come to their school every year. Mm. And, um, it, yeah. yeah, wonderful resource. Not to exploit them, but... Um, yep. <laughs> no, and, resource. <laughs> a resource to say... Hmm. Um, but, sorry, yes, I, I understand. She, Kate has a smile on her face at all this time. So. <laughs> um, now, I do, do want to ask as well, because we, we've asked um, authors thinking about uh, this. I can't think of a good segue for this bit, so I'll just go for it. Just but, go um, for it, We've been man. talking about voice a bit and kind of working in and, and finding your voice. Now, um, you've been writing for, for a while. We know that you know, you've mentioned writing from a young age. Um, personally, I found that when I started writing, uh, I had the voices of other authors coming through, authors that I loved coming through in my work. Have you experienced something like that when you started out or was there a moment when you were like, yeah, I really feel like I've found my niche for how I write? I think I'm still finding it. Yeah. I did um, with the voice of Adelaide, my main character in Untidy Towns, yeah. did did come pretty naturally but yeah. over the editorial process she really was honed. Yeah. And that was the – we talk about editorial process. Sure. I'm sorry, I do jump around no, a no, lot. No, no, absolutely. Um, the – 
my editor was able to pinpoint my character better than I had been able to. Wow. Yeah. And it, I had a bit of an inferiority complex about myself as an editor. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I should have well, known this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like I should have been able to, mm. um, yeah, write Identify my book it. perfectly mm. yeah, because right. I know, I, mm. I hope I can help other authors perfect their, yeah. their books as well. Mm. Um, but voice is, is really hard. And I think trying to get an authentic teenage voice when you're yeah. an older you know, mid thirties. Yeah, yeah. Um, writer is <laughs> yes. is really hard and really exciting. Yeah. And I can't just write my teenage self, mm. although that helps being able to tap into to read old diaries. With, yeah. um, oh, great! That yeah. I wrote as a teenager. They're really traumatic. My <laughs> my friend said, "Don't don't do it. Yeah. You're supposed to burn those." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, but I spent a weekend reading some old diaries from high school, and wow. it was. Reassuring, actually. I'd written mm. the whole the whole book, and I went back and read some diaries. It was reassuring to sort of see that that voice had come through, yeah. And the the perspective that you have as a teenager, yeah, yeah. And we always talk to authors about that idea of voice and about honesty, right? And the desire that there's almost a fear of putting too much of yourself in, especially with your first works. Mm. How did you find that? Did you feel like it was a natural process? And when you were seeing that voice, you're like, oh, that. That sounds like me. Was that scary? Was that worrying? It mm. is a little scary and I yeah. tried hard to make the voice separate to, to me yep. as I was yeah. going through. And a few friends have, have commented, it was so nice reading the book, I could hear you. Sure. Right. Um, yep. I'm not worried by it. It is my first book. Um, mm. uh, it's not autobiographical, but mm. I think it's part of the process of learning how to create voice. And mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it does feel like I've exposed some private sort of mm. part of myself but that's I'm happy I'm hoping to bleed onto the page and yeah, yeah, yeah. and have that honesty and that truth that yeah, I think teenagers yeah. respect and they really connect with they can smell a fake yep. from yes. a mile away well that's actually um, I don't know why I've never quite uh, mentioned this before but it's it's true with young people that uh, my kind of work outside of writing with young people there's um, they're really quick to call BS on things when it's when you're just when you can oh, even yeah. sense a fake. So if someone gets yep. on stage and I'm like, "Hey, folks, I'm here to talk about dabbing and memes," someone just kind of really. <laughs> I, I do actually. So I'll mention dank memes when I get on stage, and I'm guaranteed he says to get. That. I do. No, I really do, and I'll get. I'll always get like a little bit of a giggle, and everyone else rolls their eyes, and I'm like, "Yep, that's true," because that's not me, and I know that can't be me yep. as much as I find it hilarious, you know. Um, so that authenticity. Were there were there some writers that you read when you were kind of going through your teenage years? Did you have a lot of writers around there? that you kind of really leaned into as a teenager? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I reading. I was reading aloud from my book to practice for coming yeah. here and I just reread a book by Joanne Horneman. She's this incredible mm. YA writer who hasn't written anything for the past few years but yeah. she creates character and place so successfully mm. and I reread yeah. one of her books mm. and... I'm a little worried that if she reads <laughs> yeah. my book, <laughs> yep, yep, she may sue me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I didn't write this. <laughs> yeah, what? And obviously not throughout, Wait, but little, I can see my influences. Sure. It is, I, I find my inspiration in other books and in yeah. music. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, mm. uh, what through the editorial process, I know all about copyright. I know all the rules, but I just appeared to want to flaunt them. Yeah. Flaunt, flaunt them? Flaunt. 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 <laughs> I wanted to flaunt, flaunt the, rules. the rules. For myself, obviously, rules. I'm above every other yeah, 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 yeah. writer. And we yes. had to go through and remove references. Yeah, right. To direct song lyrics that I had stolen from other people. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that... Actually, I plan to use as a good writing exercise because I had to go in, look at the line that I'd wanted to quote and figure mm. out a way to create that same 
feeling. To evoke uh, that same feeling. In a new, Absolutely. In, in, in my own unique way. And that working as an editor on other people's work, it's almost the same. We never, I never rewrite somebody's work, mm. but making suggestions on how they can perhaps say what they want to say mm. in a different or stronger way. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting. Fantastic. Well, our listeners definitely know that we like to chat about that kind of inside baseball ch- uh, talk, mm-hmm. but it's also lovely to hear about authors and editors and both, in your case, Kate, <laughs> talk about that process um, really honestly. So thank you, Kate, for coming on. Thank it was lovely so to much have you. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Thank you. And thank you to Somerset. We have more uh, interviews coming up, so stay tuned. Coming up is our conversation with R.A. Spratt. Rachel Spratt is an award-winning author and television writer. Her latest book is Friday Barnes Under Suspicion. This is the second installment in the Friday Barnes Girl Detective series. R.A. is also known for a biographical account of the world's most glamorous flying pig, Nanny Piggins, a nine-part series about a circus pig turned nanny. We chat about the pressures of being a touring author, career decisions, transitions, and more. Also, a quick note, there was some audio issues in the following episode and we considered about whether to air it, but the conversation with Rachel was just too good um, to not air. So we really hope that you can endure a little bit of off balance and that you still find the discussion as enjoyable as we thought it was. And so, without further ado, I give you R.A. Spratt. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast. We are here once more. And Ian, you are joining us at the Somerset Celebration of Literature. It's been really fantastic. This tent is keeping out the heat. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. We've got we've got a fan, uh, yeah. which I'm a big fan of. Oh. Yes, not. I'm sorry. Yeah, I miss. Anyway, we'll let that one slide. But uh, we were just in doing a session this morning with some air conditioning, which was yeah. really lovely. So actually, I'm feeling quite fresh. By this stage yesterday, I was beginning to get a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, sticky, maybe, so yeah, yeah. much better now for the air conditioning. It's fine. You made the clear amateur Somerset mistake. You're wearing a long sleeve shirt and long pants. Yeah. I know. Is this right? your first Somerset? <laughs> it <laughs> is. <laughs> this is. Story. Yeah. Second Somerset. Not you learning. When people say in an interesting story, it almost never is interesting. It, it never it's is. It's usually the opposite. It's yes. like, you know, with all due respect, and then you say something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's give me a long story about why you went. All right, no, do it's it. A short one. It's just that I got out this morning and Joel said to me, that's the same thing you wore on the same day yesterday. Last this year. Is what I wore last year on day yeah. two. The exact same outfit. Oh, and yet you didn't learn. Nope. Didn't nope. learn a thing. Yep, all right. There you so go. It's there you just, go. you know, the definition of insanity. We are that definition. The real, the real, real interesting thing is I'm just way too stubborn. I just have one set of clothes no, you see, my I, whole life. I, I can see you've made a choice. Really? That's different. Like, yeah. I, that, I can see, might be a mistake, but you've made it. Oh. you've taken yeah. it to another level because you're have. wearing a tie. Yeah, uh, even more ridiculous. And what's that? Oh, no, it's white. It's just part of your cuff. But, and yeah. leather yeah. shoes. And yeah. So he's gone all in is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, no. He's saying, I care more about what I look like. Than what I say. No, than my physical comfort. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Yes. That's yeah. me in a nutshell, Rachel. Yeah. Also, welcome to the podcast, yeah, thank you. Rachel. No worries. Really good to have you. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. You are wearing very legitimate clothing for this weather. Yeah, I'm yeah. wearing shorts tomorrow as well. Oh, and, lovely. And, and a singlet because I want to do some gymnastics. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's my goal for tomorrow. Yep. Wow. Get some good Instagram pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't do good Instagram in a skirt. 
That's yeah, true. Yeah, that's, that's very true, actually. Or you right? can, it'll be graphic and inappropriate for children. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. You, and I mean, so much of Instagram is that it's just getting that right moments with the right app. I mean, I have no idea. I'm it's like always, really it's the the only, it, it, I'm not on Instagram, but the ones I always see on like, they tweet it out, yeah. is like the perfect yoga um, oh, shots yeah, by the beach. Shot. It's always by the beach. Yeah. It's on like a lip overlooking the beach and you've some got the balance. blue sky and then yeah. some ridiculous balance. And I'm like, no, I'll never be that fit. Yeah. No. No. Well, I am that fit, so that's There you go. I'm glad one of us. Yeah. Well, we never doubted you. No. Oh, we were. Just, <laughs> the people at home listening to this need to know. Yeah. That's yeah. Absolutely. It's true. Since we're not a visual medium, we're very glad you're here, though. So thank yes. You. Thank you very well, much for coming along. good looking. That's true. We need to improve the balance. Yeah. That's true. And who knows how to dress properly for <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Talking about things that work together. Wow. Wow. The audience just left. Wow. Yeah, it's true. We Ooh. have audience. The rough segue. Um, (laughs) But Rachel, it's really interesting. We've been talking to a lot of authors um, this summer set about the idea of school visits, about trips, about engaging with your audience. And I think YA and children's are definitely one of those markets that has a lot of interaction with the reader and the writer. And, you know, you've done quite a few trips yourself, and we're here now. What do you think that is like for you, that symbiotic relationship between a writer uh, and their audience? Do you find that it impacts your work in a positive, negative, or somewhere in the middle? It's incredibly full-on. This is my yeah. fourth trip this year, so we're what, mid Wow. And I've spent, like, 25 days away from yeah. home already this year. I've spent, like, two weeks in the States, and I had five days. Like, last week I was in New Zealand for five days. Sure. And uh, it's very, very hard on my family. And yeah. my children are young. One of them's here today because she's just had a gut full of it. Yeah. So it's very, very hard. And it's very emotional. Mm. And the problem is when you're a writer, you have to sort of like expose yourself emotionally. It's, it's difficult. It's, you've got to pull these yeah. things out of your mind, out of your brain. And it's really hard when things are difficult at home mm. or when you're bogged down with the misery of logistics like yeah. you know your suitcase gets lost yeah. or you know the customs guy gets in your face and then it just plays in your head all day and then you can't do any work when you get back to sure. the hotel yeah. so yeah it's it doesn't work well with getting yourself in a clear mind space mm. for writing so yeah. it is problematic yeah, yeah, but yeah. um I sort of believe too that when you write, like I was just doing a writing workshop, I was saying to the kids, for every one hour you spend writing, you really need to spend four to five hours thinking. Mm, So getting out in the world also fuels what you write because it exposes you to different things. Like you are a strange person. Yes, absolutely. I've met you now, and I think I could see making you a character in a book. Wow. Someone wearing a tie. It's really scary. Yeah. And doing a podcast to no people. That's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so no people. Oh, all our listeners, I'm, I'm very sorry. You are people oh, to me. Oh, invisible people. Yes. Okay, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so you are a fascinating person. You've got some serious bling happening here. Yeah, I'm yeah. soaking all this in. As yeah, if yeah. I was at home in my office writing, I wouldn't be exposed to this. <laughs> so you are fuel for my work. <laughs> Absolutely. So it, it swings and roundabouts. It's, it's an interesting thought that you mentioned about um, <coughs> about getting out and the, the time required sure. to... To do that, I think when I, personally, when I started out writing, um, I didn't have any concept of that. I think yeah. I thought that the um, that uh, not in the you know if you build it they will come kind of thing, but there is a point we need to just start writing. But that actual 
need I think now I'm more aware of ideas needing more time to um, gestate yeah gestate I think to, to yeah. kind of my, th my analogy is always your brain is a compost bin mm. and sometimes you, you stick an idea in there and it's going to be in there 20 years takes a while yeah. you turn the compost bin over and then it's a useful idea I mean some of the ideas I incorporate in novels now are ideas I had when I was 10 years old so sometimes you use the idea you came up with that day but sometimes yeah. you got to leave it in the compost bin so interesting playing off that do you also think there are ideas that you have that you think mm, maybe I'm not just right there to write that story right now yeah yeah but usually I just try and grab all the ideas I have and shove them in whatever I write at that moment sure because yeah. my husband says to me you could die so do you want that idea not to get written down because like wow. if you're writing an eight part series there's a temptation to save your best idea for the, the last book yeah but you think well what if the book series gets cancelled yeah. you know best yeah, to put yeah, it yeah. in yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah, just if you've got something good, shove it down. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not good yet, sure, leave it. But um, no. How does that work with publishers? How does publishers work? That's, yeah, that, that is, I guess, the question in the end. It's, is it difficult to pitch constantly new ideas to publishers? I don't pitch. I'm beyond that. Oh, you just, yeah. they just take it? Yeah, well, when I wrote my first book, I just wrote a book and I sent it. So I guess that's kind of like a pitch, but it's a very unsubtle pitch. Yeah. There's, there's very little song and dance. Because um, I did it just before I got married. So I went off on my honeymoon and I yeah, just yeah. sent it off. And when I came back, they're like, yeah, we... Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So there was very little pitching. And yeah. then when I finished that, they said, can you write something else? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, cool, we'll, we'll pay you to do that. Oh, I suppose you should write something down. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I wrote like a one-page pitch about this girl detective. And they're like... Yeah oh, please write that. And I did. And yeah. then when I got to the end of that, they said, please write something else. And I said, I'm going to do this. And they're like, oh, great. So I don't really pitch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I, like, that's a very healthy relationship to it. To yeah. At least you kind of know what's coming. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you're a staggering genius, like people... Abs I mean... They just have faith. They just, it just happens. You've got to understand, my strength is not my ideas. My strength is my ability to write dialogue. Right. So um, yeah. they, just, they just have faith that if my ideas are terrible... That the people saying the words in the book yeah. Yeah. will say funny things. Will be good. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting you mentioned dialogue. So personally, um, one of the, for, for me, I found uh, one of the big influences on me, especially for comedic dialogue, was a, a guy, Gordon Corman, who wrote um, a series of middle grade books from Canada, which I read when I was about eight or nine. Um, do you find there's a particular influence on your dialogue that, that you felt right at the beginning when you were writing, or is there someone who that you really have, have found as an influence over time? Well, the thing with me is I type very, very quickly, so I don't think too much about what I do. Yeah. It's almost like I've got voices in my head and it's almost like Friday Barnes is a, is a person aside yeah. from me and Melanie is another person and they just have a conversation. I just happen to know exactly what they're going to say. Yeah. So it's almost like a process I don't have control over. Mm. But I am very influenced by the author Anthony Trollope yeah. uh, because when I was writing Nanny Piggins, my first book, I did a lot of research and I did, read a lot of Jane Austen. I read a lot of children's yeah, literature. Yeah. Yeah. But Anthony Trollope has a very conversational style. and He, he used to write very quickly as well and not mm. do a lot of editing. And I was very, um, I like, the, like he directly talks to the reader and says things like, now reader, don't worry about these characters because it's a romance novel, so they're going to get together at the end, but you have to get read the next 500 pages to yeah. find out that. Yeah. So I like that. And so he very much influenced my style. And if I go back and reread Anthony Trollope, I think, oh yeah, I, I borrowed a lot mm. from him, just in uh, tone of voice. Yeah, interesting. Um, one of the things we also chatted about to a few authors was the idea of voice. Right, and voice is something that a lot of uh, authors, especially if they're younger and haven't written a lot, 
um, even when they're older and they write a few things, they start writing in a voice that's not their own and eventually they develop their own voice. With your work, it sounds very much like you had a very good handle on your voice at the start. How was that process? Well, you see, I'm an egomaniac, so it's very easy. Why would I use someone else's that's, voice? That is very yeah, true. That yeah. is works in your favor, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, apart from the voices in my head, all the voices in my head are my own voice. Yeah. In fact, that's part of the liberating process of becoming an author for me. It's mm. like my first book was The Adventures of Nanny Piggins. Yeah. And it was so liberating for me because I found out my inner monologue that I'd had my entire life for the first 30 years of my life was actually the voice of a talking pig. Yeah. <laughs> So, because I couldn't say the things she wanted, to, I wanted to say, and I was like yeah. very sort of, mm, and I'd say things, and people would look at me like I was being inappropriate, and I yeah, was yeah. being inappropriate. Yeah. But when a glamorous flying pig says these things, it's yeah. totally people appropriate. People just take it, yeah, and it's delightful, and people will pay money to see what she has to say. So, mm. it worked out. If, if you look back at the, the well, I'll ask one lead-up question. Um, was there a particular point when you started writing? Were you always interested, or was it something that you got more into as you got older? Um. <sighs> Yes, sort of. I was really, I loved television. Mm. I yeah. loved watching television. Right. And I wanted to, I loved working in a film crew. Because you watch television shows and mm. they say, you make your own family through people you work with. Yeah. It's just lies. It's yeah. total lies. Because people with you, you work with hate you yeah. and they want your job. Yeah. And yep. they will do things to get you fired mm. and yeah. to yeah. get the pay rise that you don't get. Mm-hmm. And I was totally conned by television, but I wanted yeah. to work in television and be in a film crew because I thought that would be like a family. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to be an assistant director. But when I started out, um, I went to this television show, Good mm. Newsweek, mm. and they didn't have the assistant director there that day. Yep. So I got shoved in with the writers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to go at writing jokes. And it turned out I had a knack for it. So mm. they offered me a job. And so it, I sort of accidentally became a writer. Right. And you know, in television, they say there's in terms of budgeting there's people who are above the line and below the line right. and, it, and like the, the talent is above the line yeah. and writers are considered talent mm. and if you've got a job above the line you don't go back to being below the line so I was actually depressed when I was offered yeah. the job wow. because this whole life I thought I would work towards <laughs> had been snatched wow. away from me by giving me a better job yeah Wow. That must have been quite a conflict. That sounds like quite yeah. a conflicting kind of feeling. I basically spent the first 10 years or eight years I was an, as a writer trying to get out of being a writer. And then <laughs> uh, in the end, I, I realized regular jobs suck. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I would just live with it. Yeah. yeah. So um, that, that sounds like it must have been quite a process then because that's... Um, I'm, I'm always fascinated. Listening to your answer, I'm always fascinated by how people come into writing because there's just no one. Origin stories are captivating. Yeah, yeah. very co- captivating. Um, did you have to kind of process things once you moved then from? So were you writing for television the whole time? Those eight, year, eight years, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started out writing jokes for three years, and then I did sketch comedy, and then I started to move more into. Sorry, oh, no, we're good. Uh, I move more into uh, children's and preschool and yeah. animation. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, coming from that, what did you find? Well, were, were there any particular challenges that you had to work out once you moved into writing? Uh, you know, for a, a younger audience. Yeah. You're still writing for a younger audience. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. Were some of the challenges. Oh, there's heaps of challenges, especially mm. when you're at television. There's a lot more rules in television than there are sure. in book writing. Yeah. So it's learning all of that, and uh, you have to behave more appropriately than you do when you're a comedy writer. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, just uh, yeah, learning to. To have those rules so deep inside you that you don't even have to think about it. Like, yeah. what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. There's all this, like, words you can't use. But there's also the emulative behavior issues where sure. you, you can't demonstrate, uh, like, and describe something that then children could copy and yeah. be dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's all these things that people who haven't had a background and haven't been trained mm. don't intuitively know, which sure. I just, even though I seem wildly inappropriate most of the time, I do know this stuff and I don't put it in children's yeah. scripts. Yeah. It's, 
What? I had a friend the other day yeah. who was a children's librarian yep. who posted a bomb recipe on Facebook Ooh. because she was saying how children had been making bombs and it was terrible because they'd been using this bomb recipe and then she gave the bomb recipe and I responded, I said, do you do realise you just posted a bomb a recipe bombs. on Facebook? And then I thought, no, I don't want to upset her yeah, so yeah, I deleted yeah. my message. But um, So yeah, some people just don't realise what yeah, they're doing. sure. Wow. <laughs> and she was I'm a librarian. Speechless. I didn't expect you to say that. There we go. That's where that went. Wow. Um, one of those things, Rachel, looking at writing for TV, for instance, it's yeah. a succinct medium, you know, um, and film. I remember a film writer once said, like, moving from film to prose was really difficult because there's all this space in between that he didn't know what to do with, right? That those scene well, settings. Well, he's clearly an idiot. Well, I mean, yeah, he is that, but, you know. Because that's the good bit where you don't have to rely on some actor or some animator to stuff it up. You to, can actually to make a mess, write yeah. down what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, it'll go right because you get complete control. So yeah. was that control liberating for you in that idea? Oh, yes. Yeah. And also, like to say, oh, it's hard to be a writer because when you write books, you have to write more. And it's like, yeah, but you're a writer. You're good at that. <laughs> In television, you have to spend so much time arguing with yeah, idiots yeah, yeah. and convincing people your idea is good. And, yeah. it, and that's more salesmanship. And it's like, yeah. I'm not a salesman. I'm, yeah. I'm like an introverted nerd. Yeah. So you spend like 95% of your time arguing with someone who's wrong yeah. who is going to get their way anyway. Yeah. Whereas when you're an author, it's like, yeah, oh, so I have to spend time times more time writing. Well, I'm really good at this and what I'm going to write is going to be brilliant, so yeah. who cares? So that collaborative process then in TV, you found quite stifling in that regard. Yeah, because I was always writing, writing for men. Like, the men yeah, would yeah. be the head oh, writers wow. and, like, I was writing jokes for three years for Paul McDermott mm. and yeah. he's a man. Yeah, and yeah. the head writer was a man and the producer was a man and all the other writers were men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd say, oh, that joke's not funny. It's like, you don't find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a 35-year-old man still living with his mother. Maybe there's something wrong with your brain. And you know what? 51% of the population are women. <laughs> I can see that this was, you know, a this is a, yeah. frustrating time. I never got to actually yell that at people. I was, but yeah, in my yeah. head, the, yeah. the flying thing in happening. my head was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. how dare you? <laughs> I, I like that, though. So coming to that, like, what was the, was there a moment where you just felt free? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And you don't have to wear shoes when you work from home. And you've got yep. constant access to your refrigerator. And I mm. go to the gym every day, five days mm. a week. Really? Not many yeah. people can do that. I, I do it in I office don't. hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When it's not that busy, right? Yeah. Surely you have no money when you're a writer. Yes. But I go to the gym, I don't wear shoes, and I have constant access to my fridge. My there, you right? that's, there, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And that's a lot better than having to argue with people about things. Yeah. 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 Idiots who get their way. <laughs> get their way. Yeah. I, do you do know what? The last ten years of my career, I've just started giving in to the idiots. It's like you yeah. want you want to make the 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 love interest have a purple head and <laughs> an enormous bottom. Fine. <laughs> I'm not even going to question it. I'm just going to write it. There, there is a certain stage, right? That's the acceptance stage of grief, right? Where you just you just move through. You're like, that's hey, that, no, it. that's the sellout stage of grief, where oh. it's like, wow. you're going to pay me eight thousand dollars to write that? Sure. <laughs> it's quicker if I just agree with you than I just get the money sooner. <laughs> sure. And now, thank you, please. Yeah. I can, I'm just cha-ching. 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 I, got, I got mine. Yeah. Well, right? with that cha-ching sound, I think that's a great way to end the episode. Yeah, baby, that's what it's all about. Rachel, thank you so much Why for joining. Us on full this podcast. Retail price, not at Kmart. Exactly. Yep. Full retail price. Go out and buy yeah, those support books. Support your local artists. Absolutely. And interstate artists. And festivals as oh, well. Oh, definitely. Because yeah, they've got dot ice cream dots here. Yeah, they oh, do. Man, the ice cream dots. I've, I've, they're way too good? sweet for me. But yeah, yeah, I know. But it's like they're weird. They're so good. Yeah, yeah, it's like if ice cream had a baby with lollies. Ooh. 
There you go. All right, leave that image in your... That's the line to end on. Yeah, leave that image in your head. And that wraps up our final episode in our series from Somerset. As always, a big thank you to our guests, Kate O'Donnell and R.A. Spratt, as well as the Somerset Celebration of Literature, now called Somerset Storyfest. You can follow Storyfest at their website, somerset.qld.edu.au slash storyfest. Thanks, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you.